And we are going to say the Apostles' Creed. One more time, we've been doing this each week for the last seven weeks as I've been teaching through the Creed. Uh, But today is the last Sunday, so uh, one more time, would you say this with me this morning? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, you may be seated. One more announcement that I did not make, but it is in the link, but I want to highlight it this morning. Uh, As I think most of you know, who are regulars here at Connect, uh, we've been searching for quite some time for a larger facility, and uh, the search goes on. We've expanded our search team. Larry Bitterman is now working with me to try to find a facility that's appropriate for us. Uh, But one of the things that we feel very strongly about is committing this process to the Lord in prayer. Uh, It hasn't come easily, as you know. It's been well over a year that we've been looking for another facility. Uh, And so uh, we just really want to seek the Lord and pray. And so we've called this Tuesday as a day of fasting and prayer Uh, for God's direction and the opening of doors at the right place. So if you're able to join us in that day of fasting and prayer, we'll be praying Tuesday night out at the Dykstra's home up Dry Creek Road. And if you need directions, it's pretty easy to find. Uh, And and our plan is we're just going to fast Tuesday, and then everybody's going to bring a dish to share Tuesday night. We're going to give ourselves to prayer, and then when we're done, we'll break the fast and have a celebration feast together. Well, we'll feast depending on what you bring. If you bring vegetables, it won't be so much of a feast, but, you know. If you bring Reese's, we will feast, right? (laughs) Well, today is the last message in this series that I have been calling Credo, based out of the Apostles' Creed, and we've been talking about Jesus, what we believe about Jesus, and how he changes our lives as we follow after him. Uh, we had a pretty amazing experience about four weeks ago. Uh, Janice visited our church. Janice, I can't think of your last name. Hill. Janice Hill. Come on up here, would you please? Janice visited us, I think it was four weeks ago, wasn't it, that you were here with us the first time? And uh, on that very first Sunday, uh, Janice raised her hand at the end of the message to receive Jesus and, and committed her life to following him. And... Um, And then uh, at the end, after everybody was kind of filing out of the building, uh, Janice came up to me, and I just wanted her to share with you, in her words, what happened at that point. So uh, what, what do you remember, Janice? <laughs> well, I remember a lot that day. Um, I remember coming here while my friend Vicki has been dropping the seed in my ear to come to her church. So she said it was invite a friend day, so I said, okay. I will join. I will come and see what's going on. Well, after the service was over, I told Pastor Russ, I said, well, I feel worthless. 
and not worthy of God's love anymore. Sorry. Um, so he said, well, let me pray with you and let you know that it's okay for you to feel this way. So we went over there, and next thing I know, I'm on the floor. He's praying, and I was like, I feel faint, and I'm on the floor. I had no idea. I'm like, mm -hmm. I, it was amazing, just an amazing feeling that came over me was, it's okay to feel that way, because God will never give up on you. Mm. No matter what you do, no matter what you say, and through all my trials and tribulations that I've had in my life, I have never once denounced God. Never. But I felt that I was not worthy of his love anymore. Yeah. And so here I am four weeks later, and God loves me, and I love him, and he's awesome. It was, a, it was an awesome thing that happened. Janice came up to me and asked me for prayer, and I just grabbed her hands, and we began to pray, and all of a sudden, uh, she's crumbled on the floor, you know? And uh, a few minutes later, she opened her eyes and said, what happened to me? It, it was just... This happens sometimes when we encounter the powerful revelation of God's presence. And that's what happened uh, to Janice on that day. And then the next Sunday, she left. I don't know how you snuck out of here without me talking to you. Uh, Randy and Margie came over and they began praying with Janice. And, and I had some other things I needed to take care of. So I left you with Randy and Margie and, and, and I didn't see you. And the next Sunday she came in and, and I said, Janice, what happened to you last Sunday? And she just looked at me and she said, I don't feel unworthy anymore. And uh, isn't that awesome? Power prayer, people, it works. I'm telling you, <laughs> it really does. Power prayer. Janice, what kinds of experiences did you have in your life that made you feel like you were not worthy to come to the Lord? Well, I have been going to church for a long time, and a couple things happened. I had my daughter out of wedlock. I've never been married, and the church basically told me that I had to go find another church because I was a single mother and living in sin. Yeah. And then a couple things happened. I've lost my parents. I took care of them for 10 years till the day they died, and I kept asking God, why? Why? Why me? You know, and it's okay to ask why, but then when I come here... I've been here October, it'll be two years, and I've been searching for a church, and every time I prayed, it seemed like something bad would always happen. Something worse, something worse, something worse. I kind of felt like Job, you know, how the devil and, and God were having that little game that I call of what they did to Job, even though the devil could not hurt Job personally. I felt like him, but I never denounced God, and I kept asking, why? Why are you allowing all those bad things to happen to me? It seemed like every time I prayed, something worse would happen. And now, I've been praying, and things are actually going well. Good. Good. They're actually going okay. Good. Hopefully. Well, Janice, Janice, thank you so much, and welcome to Connect. We love thank having you. you with us. And Janice brought me Reese's peanut butter eggs this morning, so she... <laughs> that, that guilt and that shame and that judgment that sometimes we encounter is difficult, isn't it? And uh, really, in, in a very strong way, not in an eternal way, 
but in, in, in an earthbound way, that judgment can be damning to us. And, uh, and I think what Janice has experienced and what I think a lot of us have experienced is the damnation that comes from the judgment and the rejection of people. Uh, and yet, judgment is a part of life. And, and this is a difficult concept for us to, to talk about, I think, sometimes. But judgment is a very real part of life in so many arenas. Uh, I love those ridiculous reality TV shows on TV that have courtrooms. Do any of you watch those things? I don't know why. I don't know why. I've only stood in front of a judge one time, and that's when I changed my name. And that's a story some of you know, some of you don't. I'm not going into it today. But I've only stood in front of a judge one time, and it was a really intimidating process. But nonetheless, I love watching those courtroom shows, all right? And one of our favorites, those of you that watch them with me, one of our favorites is Judge Judy. If you've, if you've never met Judge Judy, here's just a sampling, all right? Judge Judy. Oh, please. That's baloney. You look ridiculous. Got it? You ready? I'm ready. You think he's ready? He's not ready. You know what my father used to say? You want me to grab one out of the air? Please. He used to say to me, don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. Don't try to teach a pig to sing. It doesn't work and it annoys the pig. Dumb ideas come from people who have dumb brains. No doubt. Did you ever hear the expression, beauty fades, dumb is forever? Either you're playing dumb or it's not an act. <laughs> you see, they don't keep me here because I'm gorgeous and 5'10". <laughs> I am a truth machine, sir. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Don't be a liar. I eat them up for breakfast. You lie to me, I'll wipe up the floor with you worse than anybody else who's ever tackled you. You better tell me the truth because I'm much smarter than you are. I love the truth. Yes, sir. If you don't tell me the truth, you're going to be eating your shoes. The truth? The, no, no, I'm yeah. here asking you to lie. <laughs> your story is a crack of baloney. Excuse me? On your best day. You're not as smart as I am on my worst day when I'm sleeping. Yes, I have stupid right here. <laughs> you think you're smarter than I am? Huh? That's not a hard question. Not, no, no. Duh. Uh, you thought this was going to be easy? No, ma'am. It's not going to be easy. Uh, oh, it's not an answer. Well, well it's not an answer. Uh, oh, it's not an answer. Um, um it's not an answer. Yeah. It's not an answer. Oh, you are pretty thick, stupid, outrageous, baloney, liar, baby, dumb, wise guys. Are you kidding me? Get over it. I don't I'm just sorry you made a fool of yourself. Yeah. Sit down. <laughs> Judge Judy. I almost forgot how entertaining this could be. <laughs> now, she's awesome as long as you are not the object of her scorn, right? And I've often watched these judge shows and I've thought to myself, what if that person really is telling the truth? You know, because there is a, an element of theater in these shows, right? Because they're for TV and, and we get a lot of kicks out of them. But it's intimidating, isn't it, to be judged? I, I'm sure there's lots of us in this room today who have been judged by the court system in the United States, or maybe even in other countries. I don't know about everybody here, but we have probably experienced that. But we have also experienced the judgment that comes from parents 
and school teachers. Remember taking tests in school and being judged on your performance? Those things are difficult. And, and I think most of us would agree today that being judged, whatever the environment, is very difficult. Would you, would you agree with that? Um, I posted the question on our Facebook page this morning. Uh, I, I asked the question, uh, how do you feel about judgment or what, what do you think about being judged? And I haven't checked back. I don't know if anybody's been uh, responding, but if you're a friend on Facebook, I'd love to have you jump into that discussion and share some thoughts about being judged. I think most of us really hate it. And yet, judgment is a part of this life, and the reality is judgment is something that's coming for all of us. I don't know if you caught it when we spoke through the creed, today or any other of the Sundays that we've done, but this was one element of the creed, probably the element of the creed that I like the least. We say, I believe in Jesus Christ, who shall come to judge the quick and the dead. Now, I don't worry about that much because I'm not particularly quick and I'm not dead yet, but uh, it doesn't change the fact that I am going to stand before Jesus Christ And all of us will someday stand before Jesus Christ, and we will be judged. How do I know that? Let me share some scriptures with you out of the Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 4 says this. uh, And if you're reading through the New Testament with us, uh, we're coming to the end of this. This is today's reading. 2 Timothy chapter 4. I solemnly urge you, in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead, when he appears to set up his kingdom. If you read in the King James Bible, that's where we get that word quick. He will judge the living and the dead or the quick and the dead. Quick is just an old English word for living. So if you're slow like me, you don't get out of it. That's that's the truth. He will judge everyone someday. That's what 2 Timothy 4 says. 2 Corinthians 5 says this. We make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. Uh, And and what Paul is saying there is, uh, we make it our goal to please Jesus, whether we are alive or whether we have gone to be with Jesus in death. We make it our goal to please him. For we must all appear before what? The judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Uh, here's what you can write in your notes if you're taking notes this morning. I think this is the first line on your notes. Every Christian will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That's what we learn here from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, is that every single Christian will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. But now, when we hear that, when we read that, I'm sure that we we conjure up all kinds of ideas in our minds about what that's going to look like, what it's going to feel like, uh, what the scenario is going to be. Uh, If you're like me, it probably makes you a little bit nervous, because I'm not proud of everything I've ever done in my life. I'm not proud of everything I've done since I've become a Christian. I can't say that I have lived a spotless life, even since making a commitment to follow Christ. And so the idea that I'm going to stand in front of the judgment seat of Christ is something that just kind of makes me nervous and uncomfortable. But I want to unpack this a little bit so that we really understand what it means when Paul says in 2 Corinthians that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. 
First of all, let me tell you what a judgment seat is. The, the Greek word that Paul uses here is a little word, bima, B-E-M-A, and I think that's in your notes there. And the definition is very simple. Uh, what a bima is, is a raised platform mounted by steps. And so if you've ever been in a traditional church, or if you've ever been in any kind of auditorium that just has a raised platform, one of the commentaries that I read uh, said that, that a bima in Greek culture was very similar to the little platforms that the champions stand on in the Olympics. You've all seen the Olympic ceremonies, right? And when they award the medals, they, they walk up just a short little uh, row of steps and they stand there to get their medals. And this is kind of the image that is being portrayed here in 2 Corinthians, this bima that Christ will stand on. Uh, it's also sometimes called a dais or a dais, all right? And, and I found a picture of one. Uh, this could be considered a bima. This is actually in a palace. This would be a place where a king would sit on his throne. But the throne is situated on this bima, this raised platform that has steps leading up to it. And, and that is what we are going to stand in front of when we're judged by Christ. But now, here's an important distinction for us to make when we think about standing before the judgment seat of Christ. The bima that is talked about here in 2 Corinthians is not the same as what we read in the book of Revelation that's called the great white throne judgment. These are not the same things. The judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne judgment are not the same things. And so I want us to talk a little bit about the great white throne judgment so that we can understand the distinction between the two. We have the judgment seat of Christ, 2 Corinthians, the Bema. And in Revelation chapter 20, we read a description about the great white throne judgment. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Revelation 20 with me if you want to. Or you can follow along on the screen. Here's what we read in Revelation 20. Almost at the very end of the Bible, it's talking about the last things, wrapping up all the prophetic events that are yet to come. And in Revelation chapter 20, the author John writes this. I saw a great white throne, and I saw the one who was sitting on it. And he makes a little bit of description, and then he goes on to say, I saw the dead both great and small, standing before God's throne. Now, now notice, this is not bima. This is a different Greek word here that is literally a throne. It's not the bima of Christ. It's the great white throne. And, and all of the dead were standing there before God's throne. And it says the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to the things written in the books, according to what they had done. And anyone whose name was not found, recorded in the book of life, was thrown into the lake of fire. Now this is a terrifying description of what is going to happen at the end, end of all time when, when people will stand before this judgment throne, the great white throne of judgment of God. And if you're taking notes this morning, here's what you can write down next. Every unbeliever 
If we put all the pieces together in in the prophetic aspects of the Bible, we come to understand every unbeliever will stand before the great white throne judgment. So these are really two different arenas of judgment. There's the bema of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ, in which believers will be judged, and then there's the great white throne judgment in which unbelievers will be judged. Now, if, if you believe, like I do, that, that Christians are going to be raptured before the time of tribulation, here's one caveat. It appears, uh, and some scholars believe, that if you are not walking with Christ before the rapture and you don't go up in the clouds with Jesus at the time of the rapture, and you go through the, through the tribulation period, that you will probably have to stand before the great white throne judgment, uh, but if you confess Christ, you receive his grace, and you persevere through the tribulation period, you will not be thrown into the lake of fire at the great white throne judgment. But the judgment seat of Christ, the bema of Christ, is a period that happens before the great white throne judgment, before the tribulation, all of that stuff. It happens when we are gathered to be with Christ prior to the tribulation period. So these are two completely different uh, judgment periods, one for believers, one for unbelievers, or those who persevere through the tribulation. Does that make sense? Now, what is it about the bema of Christ then? What do we understand about this? 1 Corinthians chapter 3 gives us a little more information, and uh, this is what it says. Paul the Apostle is writing here, Now anyone who builds on that foundation may use gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or or straw. But there's going to come a time of testing at the judgment day, and this is talking about Christians, the judgment day, to see which kind of work each builder has done. Everyone's work will be put through the fire to see whether or not it keeps its value. If the work survives the fire, the builder will receive a what? A reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builders themselves will be saved, but like someone escaping through a wall of flames. Now I can remember when I was growing up teaching on this kind of thing, we were taught that, boy, when you get to heaven, you're going to be rewarded and you're going to get a crown. Do you guys remember this kind of teaching? You're going to get a crown. And your crown's going to have stars. And the stars are for each person that you've led to Jesus in your lifetime. Okay? And, and I remember as a kid thinking through, well, I haven't led anybody to Jesus, so if I go, if I go to heaven right now, I'm going to have a pretty, pretty plain, ordinary crown. But, you know, people like Billy Graham, his crown's going to be dazzling, you know, and just stars everywhere. And, and I'm kind of going to be embarrassed because I don't have very many stars in my crown. Now, that's not really a scriptural con, uh, concept exactly, but what is happening here is that there's a description that when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ... There are going to be rewards. And so, if you want to write this down, this is the next thing that we understand by comparing these scriptures together. The great white throne judgment is about punishment, all right? People whose names are not written in the book of life are going to be cast into the lake of fire. Hell, as we understand it. But the judgment seat of Christ isn't about punishment, it's about reward. It's about reward. Now this isn't about salvation. 
Don't misunderstand because the Bible says very clearly, Ephesians chapter 2 says that we can't earn our salvation. Salvation is a free gift. It's not from works. It's by putting our faith in Christ. So we're not talking about earning something that's going to earn us a place in heaven. But when we stand before Christ, there will be a judgment that leads to rewards. How many of you have ever seen the the program The Biggest Loser, the, the TV show The Biggest Loser. I'm not a fan, uh, probably because it, it hits too close to home. But, um, but when, when Chris and I first moved to Bozeman uh, in, in 2007, I heard about a program that The Ridge, the fitness club The Ridge in downtown Bozeman was having. They called it Bozeman's Biggest Loser. And I think they had done this two or three years in a row. And and I, I needed to lose some weight, and so I thought this was a good opportunity to motivate me. So I applied to be in Bozeman's Biggest Loser, and I was accepted. And uh, I was really excited about it. And, and what they did, I think there were 20 or 25 of us somewhere around there. They split us up into two different teams, very similar to the TV show. And we worked with a trainer, and uh, we, had, uh, we had disciplines in terms of what we were eating and our exercise and all that kind of stuff. And it was a really cool deal because there were big corporate sponsors. One of the corporate sponsors was Billion Auto Group. And Billion donated to Bozeman's Biggest Loser. To the winner of this program, Billion donated the lease of a brand new car for a year. It was a big prize, okay? And so we were all competing to win this prize. Another one of the sponsors was uh, the, the hot tub company in Bozeman. And they offered the prize of the use of a hot tub in your home or in your yard, full-size big old hot tub, for a year to the person who lost the most weight in six weeks. All right? So our program was 12 weeks long, and there was a prize at six weeks, and there was a prize at 12 weeks. Now, when I got to know all, the, all my team members and that kind of stuff, uh, and we started working with the trainers, they told us, now, if you really want to win, if you want to get that car, you are going to have to live in the gym. And I can remember talking with one of the trainers, and he said, now, you are required, absolutely required, to work out for 60 minutes every day, six days a week, but if you're going to win, we're just telling you from previous experience, you're going to have to live at the gym. You're going to have to work out probably two hours in the morning, come back in the evening, go for a walk with your dog. You've just got to burn, burn, burn calories. And we filled out food journals and we counted calories and made sure that we're in the parameters and, uh, and we got going. But, but I knew at that time we were in the process of planting Connect Church. There were a million things to be done. We're getting settled into a new community. And, and I just knew... I don't have the time in my life to be a gym rat, okay? Uh, I, just, I just couldn't do it. But there were people on our teams that literally that's all they did was exercise and count calories, all right? And I'll tell you what, after 12 weeks, I got so tired of counting calories. <laughs> uh, but it was effective. But I knew from the beginning that I probably was not going to win that car, but there were a couple of people in our group that began dropping weight rapidly. Uh, one of them was, was on my team, and her name was Jill. And the weight was just falling off of her. And, and I can remember talking to her, and she was on the treadmill, and she was doing the elliptical machines, and she was just working, and she was severely restricting her caloric intake. And when the six weeks came, she won the hot tub. And I'll tell you what, we were just so excited for her, and it was a really cool thing. But it was like at six weeks, she kind of hit this wall, 
And it became more and more difficult for her uh, not to exercise, because she was faithful to exercise, but she started consuming a lot more calories. The restrictions of those first six weeks uh, were, were okay, but at that six-week mark, it's like something switched in her, and she just couldn't keep up the discipline. And so she started eating more, she stopped losing, and by the end of the 12 weeks, the car went to a young man on the other team. In 12 weeks, he had lost more than 60 pounds. I lost 42 pounds or something, uh, but 60 pounds in 12 weeks, it was remarkable. But my friend Jill, she didn't make it to that prize at the end, even though she had led all 25 of us for the first six weeks. Um, This is what happens if we don't persevere. And what we all have to understand is that when we talk about the judgment seat of Christ and we talk about rewards, we're talking about persevering through the tough times. We're talking about you can't give up in the middle because there is a reward, there is a prize at the end, and it's so important that we understand we will stand before Jesus and we will be judged and there is an eternal reward an eternal stake that we have to consider when we're making choices in our lives this is a reality judgment is a spiritual reality that we all have to consider as uncomfortable as it makes us and here's something that i think all of us need to think about very very seriously look at second john chapter one verse eight says this Uh, in fact would you just read this out loud with me john says watch out so that you do not lose the prize for which we have been working so hard. Be diligent so that you will receive your full reward. Be diligent so that you will receive your full reward. My friend Jill, she never even took the hot tub because she didn't have a place in her yard to put it. But she didn't get the full reward of that car Because she wasn't diligent. And the Bible tells us that when it comes to the reward that will come at the end of time, we've got to be diligent because there is a reward that God has planned for you and for me. Beth, God has a reward planned for you. And if you're not diligent, you may lose that full reward. doesn't mean you're going to burn in hell. doesn't mean you're going to get stood up in the white throne judgment cast into the lake of fire. But there's a reward for you. There's a reward for you. Doug, Jesus has a reward planned for you, and he wants you to get your full reward, not just half the reward. He doesn't want you to get a hot tub when you could have had a brand new Jeep. He wants you to get the full reward. There's a reward. Matt, there's a reward prepared for you when you stand in front of Jesus, and it's a great reward. I don't know what it is. I think it's probably a whole lot better than a crown with a bunch of stars in it. But there's a reward for you. Be diligent so that you get your full reward. Do you understand what what the scriptures are saying? There's a reward. And it's good. And it's worth being diligent and persevering for. So, what do we do with this? Let me give you three next steps. And then we'll pray together. Here's number one. More than anything, I want you to understand this first one. Don't be fearful. Don't be fearful. Because when we talk about standing before the judgment seat of Christ, this is not a time 
Uh, I can remember being taught, too, that when we get to heaven, the Lord's going to hit the giant rewind, rewind button, okay? And everybody that has ever lived is going to stand and they're going to watch a videotape of my life, every secret thing I've ever done that nobody's ever known about, and they're going to play the videotape and I'm going to just be ashamed, okay? That's not what grace is about. That's not what grace is about. The Bible says that God does not remember our sins anymore. He doesn't remember. That doesn't mean that he's short of memory. It means he's chosen not to remember them. He doesn't forget them. He chooses not to remember them. Sometimes Chris will ask me something that I don't want her to know, and she'll ask me a direct question, and I will say, I don't remember. Okay? I never say I forgot, because that would not be true. When I say I don't remember, it means I'm choosing not to repeat what I know. (laughs) Husbands, don't use that on your wife. It hasn't gone well for me. But the Bible says God will not remember your sins. And when you get to heaven, he's not going to play the big videotape play. He's not going to rewind. He's not going to shame you in eternity. That's not what judgment is about. So don't be fearful. You don't have to be dreading this judgment day because it's about reward. It's about Jesus saying, well done. But you remember the parable about the talents? Some, some of those, some of those uh, investors earned these huge rewards. They got all kinds of money back on their investment. Some of them got a small reward. But Jesus has a reward planned for you, and it's going to be great. So don't be fearful about the judgment. Just understand that it's something to be sober about. So number one is don't be fearful. Here's number two. Don't be careless. All right? Now, don't be fearful on one hand. On the other hand, don't be careless. Because eternity is at stake here. And there will be an accounting for everything that Jesus has ever invested in you. Jesus has given you talents. He's given you abilities. He's given you a measure of worldly wealth. He may have given you a family. He's given you relationships. What are you doing with all of those things that Jesus has given you? Because at the judgment seat of Christ, there will be a reward given to you for what you have invested with what God has given you. So don't be fearful. Don't be careless. And then here's number three. Here's number three. Run for the prize. Run for the prize. This is one of my favorite passages of the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. says, All athletes practice strict self-control. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. You see those hot tubs and those, those Jeeps, those fade away. Those are just for now. But someday there will be a prize that will never fade away. So this is what Paul says. So I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. I am not like a boxer who misses his punches. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Now here's what's beautiful about this passage uh, of, of running for the prize. Here's what's beautiful. Every one of us has a prize at the end of the race. 
It's not just one person who's going to win the prize. It's not like we're going to stand in front of the judgment seat of Christ and and God is going to say, uh, Dale, you win the biggest prize because you did the best. That's not what it's going to be like. There's a prize for every runner who completes the race. But you can't quit the race. You can't give up. You can't bag out because you got tired or because you got weary or because the temptation got too heavy. Run and discipline your body. Develop self-control. Run with purpose in every step because there's a prize waiting for you at the end. It's not shame. It's not guilt. It's not rejection. It's not judgment like we understand it. It's reward. And when we stand before Jesus who will judge the quick and the dead, my prayer for all of us is that we will hold our heads high and we will be rewarded with our full reward. Say full reward. Look at your neighbor and say, you need a full reward. Anybody here want a full reward? I do. I do. It's worth running for. Let's stand together.